0: Your Best Health with Dr. Chris Banning is offered for informational purposes only. Before you make any major life changes, please seek the help of a professional or your physician before you do so. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Your Best Health with Dr. Chris Banning. This podcast will teach you how to get healthy and remain that way naturally. Hi there, listener, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Your Best Health with Dr. Chris Banning. My name is Aaron, and Dr. Banning is right here with me, and we have a very special episode for you today. Today, Dr. Banning is going to be interviewing a special guest So I'm gonna turn the mic over to both of them and let Dr. Banning take it away. Hey, this is Dr. Chris Banning at White House Chiropractic. Um, Today we are really excited because we get to interview a behavior analyst. I've really been educated on what a behavioral analyst does. Um, Her name is Tiffany Kelly. I'm going to let her tell us what we do, but basically, uh, T- Tiffany is very well educated. She's board certified. She has a master's. Um, master's in what? Psychology.
1: Master's in behavior analysis.
0: Behavioral analysis. I'll I'll just let you talk. Where'd you go to school?
1: I got my master's from Lipscomb University in Nashville, and so my master's is in behavior analysis. My undergraduate was from the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, and that was in psychology.
0: Awesome. So um, Miss Tiffany, she she lives here in White House, and she came to our office, and uh, I got to meet her and talk to her, and I realized that uh, some of the things that we, the way we think about health or the brain and the way the body works behavior uh we have a lot in common and so i invited her on the podcast and she graciously graciously accepted and so um anyhow so uh i've got some questions that you gave me to ask <laughs> tiffany um you know behavior is just a, such a such an important thing and uh we have patients uh did all of us do you know where we have these habits that, that may not be good for our health and so i try to share you know knowledge with our patients on how they can behave better and actually become healthier and so what does a behavior analyst do or what is what is behavior Analysis.
1: A behavior analyst uses a scientific approach to look at behavior and we look at what is going on in the environment at the time that the behavior occurs, all of the sounds in the environment, the demands that's being put on the person. And then we also look at the consequence of that behavior. What does the behavior, what function does that serve for the individual? And then we find a way to help that person um, engage in a behavior that is socially appropriate and effective so that they can get their needs met in an easy, appropriate way, as opposed to using a method that is going to be detrimental to them.
0: Okay, very good. So, um, you know, we talk about lifestyle we talk about environment Um, one things I like to share with my patients is uh, you know learn a new skill like say learn how to cook healthy and then after they learn how to cook healthy like you were saying that you teach a lot of your children coping skills so a coping skill that I might teach a patient is learn how to cook healthy and then what will happen is they'll develop a healthy habit and they'll see the results And it'll get an attitude of hey i can do this and that attitude influences future behavior because the attitude brings about what dopamine and serotonin it's like hey that's a reward that worked i was a success okay so let's keep going let's keep moving and so that's how a lot of growth takes place um in our patients if they're willing to do it a lot of times our patients don't don't feel like they really want to do it i I think because they don't notice there's a reward there but uh, anyhow so um, what do you do what what's your uh, do you, you work with children then
1: I do work with children huh for my board certification I had to do 1,500 hours of field work ouch so I did the first half of that in a private autism clinic where I worked with preschoolers who are diagnosed with autism Wow and then the second half of that I worked in a school setting where i worked with third and fourth graders who were having difficulty in the classroom Mm -hmm. so those have been the main areas that i have worked with um, preschoolers all up through elementary school age children
0: let me ask you this does it seem like autism is going up the numbers of children with autism
1: that is a very controversial question (laughs) Uh, it, it is most definitely going up and so the there's a lot of question about whether is that a more prevalence in diagnosing due to insurance covering that or is it something in the environment that's actually increasing the actual rate of autism i see
0: it seems like to me there's a lot more people with behavioral issues today (laughs) i don't i don't know maybe i watch the news or you get on facebook or you just hear stuff people just misbehaving or people not happy um arguing so much and uh you know it kind of creates a lot of stress on people but um Anyhow, I think i think yeah.
1: classroom teachers would definitely agree with you on that, would
0: they? that okay. behaviors are going on. so the old uh you know what was it the golden rule uh love your neighbor as yourself or treat others as you would want them to treat you that seems like that would be a good way to behave doesn't it
1: it would we would be wonderful
0: so so for me my motivation to treat others Is because I would like them to in turn treat me fairly, but that doesn't work all the time. Does it?
1: It does not
0: Yeah, so I guess you have to develop coping skills for people when they behave properly, but they They don't get treated properly
1: Yes, that's true. And a lot of the kids that I work with They are missing fundamental skills to help them even understand how others want to be treated they're missing skills to be able to walk through the environment in a way that is functional
0: that's really interesting they're they're lacking skills on knowing how other people would like to be treated yes see so if 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 somebody is like that and they really don't know how to treat other people or how other people would like to be treated that's not that doesn't mean that person is is mean or anything it's just they don't know is that true
1: absolutely yeah
0: Um, i have some family members that have some health mental health issues and they truly don't understand how to treat other people and it can be misinterpreted so many times in so many different ways and so uh, wow that's really interesting so so you work with children um, and one of the things you like to do let me back, back step a little bit. You and I were having a discussion at the office about the love languages. Yes. Gary Chapman wrote that book, The Five Love Languages in, uh, you know, in a Marriage. And, that. and so what you'd like to do is identify a person's love language. And um, you know, my love language is touch that's that's how I became a chiropractor I like to give touch and, and hugs and that kind of thing um, my wife's love language is acts of service and words of encouragement so that's what I have to work on but she told me when these children have these skills where they they might be auditory I thought well do you really focus on their strength and you said something different
1: That's right. We actually want to work on the, we call them learning channels, and the learning channel that is weaker is what we want to focus on so that the child can have a well-balanced ability to interact with the environment. Because if a child has a strong auditory skill, there will inevitably be times in the environment when they need to use the other learning channels. And Uh so if I only teach to their strength, which is kind of a hot topic in today's society, is to figure out the strength and teach to it. Mm -hmm. And we actually do it a little bit backwards. We definitely use the strength to provide a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. as we are teaching ones that are weaker so that we can get them all leveled out.
0: Uh-huh. So that's where you're where you talk about precision teaching.
1: Precision teaching. Yeah, so yes. you target
0: weaknesses. So one thing that's really interesting too is kids have brains that are just they're plastic, they can change, they can learn new things. Whereas adults don't have that as much. They don't have the habits developed yet. And so I think that's great because you have a really good opportunity to change the way that child's brain functions the way it thinks and actually change your behavior that's that's really good i like that um so where would what is the setting that you work in tiffany
1: i work in schools or in home Mm -hmm. i i can come into the home and work with a child for a few hours a day um, that way or in a school setting but behavior analysts work in all sorts of different settings Uh even retirement homes with people with dementia or alzheimer's to help them transition or in hospitals with people who are having difficulties maybe children who are receiving cancer treatments all sorts of settings
0: wow that's neat so you're really trying to, to to influence the way they think is that true or so you have to think before you behave right
1: that is true we are let's see how shall i say this we my goal is to help people have effective and efficient behavior and so we do that I have to sense. Yeah I have to be careful because I'm not allowed to practice as uh-huh. a psychologist so
0: we have a disclaimer.
1: Yeah <laughs> that's,
0: that's good we got We have a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody starts eating broccoli and they die, <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> So anyhow, um, so, so so the way I look at it, and this is this is just fascinating because we do very similar things. Is I look at the brain as a filter, and some brains are really good at uh, focusing in on what they hear or what they see, but the environment filters through their brain, and their brain will interpret that, and then it will create a response and that response is some form of behavior and so that nerve impulse from the brain after it perceives things there's an action that takes place or lack of action and so Um, a lot of things times we talk about stress the stress response here and so a lot of kids i I feel like are just under more stress nowadays because of what's happening in the world what they see um, some of the things they see at at school and and so forth and so their stress response is is kicked in i would agree uh, with that yeah and so when your kid's under stress they can't learn and so you want to try and I guess, get that part of the brain that's more focused on growth, um, reproduction, learning, things like that. And so there are two different parts. So if a a kid's feeling threatened in school, it's very hard for them to learn. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Um, So can you give me an example of a coping skill that you've helped a child develop?
1: sure let's see let's say you have a child in a classroom who every time the teacher brings out math worksheets that child just starts tapping their pencil on the table needs to get up to sharpen the pencil 10 or 15 times throwing trash away falling on the floor talking to a neighbor pushing the desk Mm -hmm. and and so a behavior analyst would come in and say well math worksheets is what's going on in the environment that is triggering this obnoxious kind of behavior that a teacher doesn't want. Mm -hmm. And so then we would look to see what is the function of this behavior, and in that situation it could be that by getting up to sharpen my pencil 10 or 15 times, I'm avoiding this math worksheet.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, and so
1: I'm, as, I'm escaping this task by uh, engaging in this behavior that the teacher doesn't want. So a behavior analyst may come in, there are lots of ways depending on the exact circumstance, but might come in and give that child two break cards that the child can use. And so as he is working on his math worksheet, if he wants to take a break, he gives the teacher a break card and he is given permission to go take a two-minute break
0: okay i see that's neat i know a lot of adults will procrastinate
1: yes
0: (laughs) you know and uh, maybe he just doesn't like that boy does or a girl doesn't like focusing on math and so they take all these breaks
1: you know i
0: gotta sharpen my pencil mm -hmm. or when you want to put the kid to bed Mm -hmm. it's like daddy i gotta go potty (laughs) I need a drink. Yeah, I need a drink. I'm thirsty, you know, and it's just like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. You know, so so anyhow, but uh, yeah, that's fascinating. So one of the things we like to say is procrastination is a thief of so many things in your life, including health. And so maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And so a lot of people will put things off and uh, wait till they get a crisis situation. And they're really forced to do things they never wanted to do. But I think it's really great what you're doing, working with children, because you can head off a lot of problems when they get older. Um, Do you notice, I'm just asking you a question, do you notice uh, a lot of behavioral changes when kids go through puberty?
1: I do not work with kids with puberty yet. oh you
0: don't you know okay and
1: my own son is eight so we have okay. not ventured there yet
0: all right so you are yeah you work with mostly uh, children then uh, it seems to me though that there's when they go through that phase and they're kind of socializing and getting closer you know to the opposite sex that they go through a lot of changes yes yeah so wow well, that's fascinating um so let me this is a good question here is it best to focus on disciplining behavioral problems
1: mm. that is a sticky question in today's society because there are a lot of people who feel like the behavior problems they see at walmart if that parent just did a little more disciplining that that would take care of that behavior problem. And in many cases, that is not true.
0: I, I agree with that. And I think what happens is a lot of people have not been around somebody that has a mental deficit, a significant mm-hmm. mental deficit. Um, you might have a kid that looks completely normal. And, you know, he's 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 just standing in a parking lot. And he's oblivious to people that need to, you know, um, drive their car go through the parking lot and so you know I, I think uh as time goes i think people will be more more cognitive of, of that but uh, there are people that have serious deficits that uh the normal person would never pick up and, and think it's a discipline problem mm-hmm. um, so okay well that makes sense i guess the other thing is too is i i like the behavioral focus because i'm not a big fan of of using heavy duty medication i think it needs to be used in in many cases but i think uh if you sit down and you work with a kid and uh you know work on the behavior i think you can resolve a lot of things especially when they're young because when they become an adult i think it's a lot harder
1: i agree with that yeah i had an excellent professor in grad school who told me that she could help anyone with any behavior as long as they were not on medication. Because medication, although we do help kids a lot who are on medication, Mm -hmm. it changes the way that the person behaves. And Mm -hmm. so one day they might behave one way, and then if they didn't take their medication, the next day they're behaving another way, and my procedures are not necessarily going to be as effective if the person is having to also take into account the effect that the medication is having on them
0: Uh and so
1: she said without medication the behavior is going to be consistent and therefore a lot easier to change
0: Mm -hmm. that makes sense what does it mean to find the function of behavior
1: The function of behavior is really why is that person engaging in that behavior? So when I am looking for the function, I don't just want to rob someone of the coping mechanism they have to get through life. I wanna figure out why is that child screaming and then solve the screaming problem by meeting their need in a functional way. Because if I just take away the behavior that is not, that I don't like, I have left the child totally devoid of any coping mechanisms that they previously had.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I like the idea that you try to meet that child's need first before you, you know, shut them down. Yes. Um, And that's where we talked about strict discipline. So some, in a lot of cases they have a deficiency, a part of their brain is not functioning. Like if you've got somebody where their prefrontal lobe is not functioning, (laughs) those are interesting people to be around because they don't really have any social awareness at all and uh, a lot of people might look at them and just saying wow what is going on with this person you know Um, but yeah that's great i think that's a a good way to uh, address it is hey how how can we um, meet this person's need now the other i'm just curious i guess there's a time period where with some of these kids you have to get acquainted you have to develop a little bit of a relationship first
1: absolutely and
0: so when when the parents Or when you introduce yourself you're not going to be like the principal or the one with the paddle
1: no absolutely not we are the one that brings in the bag full of fun things the child's never seen before
0: all right man that's be my fun part (laughs) of that job right there
1: behavior analysts call that pairing we want to pair ourselves with something fun and exciting we want to be the good guy otherwise we'll never be able to have the child at ease enough to be able to teach them something valuable
0: so when they look at you as a friend instead of somebody that's threatening them they feel less stress Mm -hmm. and they're in a a mode where they can learn yes or maybe adapt a little bit more appropriately whereas if you come in and try to you know discipline them i'm all about discipline don't get me wrong but when you get in there and you try to just completely dominate a child, or you know have a a rigid viewpoint on how this child needs to behave and just take things away right off the bat. That child is going to be very defensive, yes, and you're not going to get an appropriate response. I mean you can you can really work them over as as, as hard as you want to, but they're just going to be in a fight or flight mode. Yes. So yeah, that's that's neat, and that's how we need to approach people on a day to day basis. Approach them with uh, you know love and and kindness, and uh, you'll get you'll you'll more than likely get get a response from really who they are as a person. So and I,
1: I try to explain it to parents too, like this: If I came in and asked you to write an essay in Japanese, and you refused, and then I heavily disciplined you for not following my instruction. Mm. That wouldn't be fair. I would first need to teach you Japanese, I would need to teach you the grammar structures, I would need to teach you all of those things, and then I could have that expectation. So, so often we have expectations of our children that are unreasonable because they are missing some critical skill to enable them to even comply with the request.
0: Wow, that was huge. That's massive. I wish I could go back into parenting again. (laughs) (laughs) So my job is to
1: figure out which skills the kids I work with have not picked up the skills that other kids may pick up automatically in their environment, and I have to teach those specifically. So my job is to figure out which of those skills that maybe the rest of their peers picked up automatically that they missed out on, that I need to teach that particular skill so they can comply the way the rest of their classes comply. Right, and
0: you know, oftentimes you've got a kid that's it has got a, we call it a receptive disorder, where they're not hearing, they're not receiving uh, everything like the other kids are. Eventually what'll happen with that child is that child will be by themselves because that child can't socialize with kids. And so imagine this, all throughout your childhood you've not been able to receive or hear or understand what people say and then you realize not only that from your teacher you realize your peers are that way too and so eventually you you can't communicate you Mm -hmm. can't understand and you can't respond in what would be a appropriate manner and so these kids are loners aren't they they are social misfits
1: That's one of the reasons that I love precision teaching so much because Mm -hmm. I can come in and identify very basic foundational skills Uh and teach those in a way that the learning trajectory is two or three times faster than what they would normally learn so that I can catch them up to their peers Uh and then those foundational skills are what many other skills are built upon
0: yeah so and when i said social misfit i just said that really quickly but social inept or somebody that's looked upon in society as being somebody that just really doesn't fit in and so i noticed a lot of the kids that are involved in a lot of these shootings um, it would be really interesting to, to understand if they had a some type of a receptive disorder where early on as a child they uh, felt like they were just outside they were an outsider looking in and then as time goes uh, a lot of those kids can internalize some of their their issues and and develop a lot of uh hate for themselves and hate for other people and so um you know it's really i think it's a really an important field uh that That really needs to be emphasized more with children i think we need to find out um, when these kids have deficits at an early age and work uh, with them on more of a holistic basis instead of giving them all kinds of medications so
1: i agree with that
0: yeah um so yeah i'm always uh more interested in, in holistic and finding out what the cause of the problem is so let me ask you this uh can you give some of the listeners your contact information just in case one of them wants to get a hold of you
1: absolutely um you're welcome to email me anytime my email address is tiffanykelly at gmail.com that's t-i-f-f-a-n-y-k-e-l-l-y at gmail.com
0: Well, thanks a lot, Tiffany. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you about this uh, issue, and maybe at some point we can come back and revisit.
1: This has been great. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you bet.